Welcome to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome everybody to another episode of Float Your Boat. I'm George Sabados and you are? I, I think I'm Brett Pattinson this morning. Gee, that's an old, that's an old hackneyed <laughs> intro, isn't it? I mean, we, we try that every, every week, don't we? Uh, it never gets old. Well, we're old. We're, uh, it never gets old. <laughs> we have a wonderful guest in the studio today. Brett, tell we us have, about her. We have Jane Thorpe, who once again is an old friend of mine from my music days, <laughs> who has transformed herself mm-hmm. into a mindfulness coach who has released books and done motivational speaking and many other things which we'll get into in this interview. Mindfulness, so, is that like trying, trying to prevent forgetfulness. <laughs> Let's get Jane to explain, George. Okay. okay. Jane, welcome Hi, aboard. George. Thanks, George. Thanks, Brett. It's very good to be here, and I must say, you're looking amazing. It's, uh, the, you, Who, mate? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I haven't, looking I haven't, at you, Brett. I haven't seen you. I, I didn't know you before, George. <laughs> you look amazing, too. But I, yeah, you've, um, you obviously look after yourself. I didn't inhale back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> Read my lips. <laughs> so, uh, so tell us, tell us the Jane Thorpe story. From uh, maybe, where do we want to start, George? Well, I actually, in the um, in the waiting room outside, I learned that Jane was a bit of a bit of a singer in in her day. <laughs> so, uh, I guess. It's a big jump from being a singer to a mindfulness coach, which you'll explain what that's all about in a minute. But, but so, yeah, how did you from there to I guess from there to where you are now? Mm-hmm. Sure. Wow. That's a how long have you got? Well, okay. <laughs> okay. We have time. We okay. have time. All right. Okay. Yeah. I guess um, there's a big difference between being a singer in a rock and roll band to being a mindfulness coach. So something must have happened in your life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that led you to where to on the path that you're on now yeah absolutely so will i start there then yeah okay yeah, start well there. that was of more yes <laughs> teacher she's pointing to me <laughs> yes yes miss i have a question yep your aha moments you must have had several in your life yes most definitely yeah right. so, so i start with the earliest aha moment you had okay the earliest aha moment I could go back to when I was about four years old, but mm. we, we will be here all day, so I won't. I'll go back to my early 30s after I was got married. I went through – I had a – met a man who was gorgeous. We clicked. Um, we had all the trappings of what success looked like. You know, we lived in a penthouse apartment, Porsches, yachts, the, the whole bit. Yeah. And I was continually – Oh, just looking for answers. I didn't like, you know, I kind of kept thinking, wow, am I living for the next holiday and the next holiday? And, you know, travelled all over the world to various places, five-star hotels, first-class, you know, flights and what have you. But I was just feeling dead inside. And uh, the marriage was very confronting. He would probably say the same, no doubt. I feel like we both met um, a soulmate in a way that was a karmic soulmate, so somebody who'd pushed all every single button that you had to push and uh, and to bring up all any insecurities. So I spent most of the almost ten years of that relationship literally kind of uncovering 
um, insecurities and consequently ended up with depression. So that really took me on a journey. Um, I'd always, always been interested in there's something more to life than just what you see. But that really took me down a portal, I suppose you'd call it. Uh, I, you know, just the thoughts that had kind of taken over for me and the frustration I was feeling was I, I likened it to being in a coffin alive. And so I, the funny thing about it was, um, I say funny, um, it was a challenge, very challenging time, but I really got to know myself and I, I start all the things of maybe being tired of, um, being tired or, or feeling sad. I was always scared of feeling sad or, or feeling tired, you know, so I was doing all sorts of things to keep myself awake and just didn't want to sleep half the time. Um, and realized what I was actually doing was just suppressing emotions and I wasn't allowing them to be there. You know, I was judging all of the emotions. So that's where it started. It really took me on, a, on a, a, an awakening, sort of an eye-opener, I guess, and to recognise that all of that that I'd been believing was rubbish. You know, all the things, that, the stories I was telling myself about myself, um, you know, if they could see you now. Um, so even though I had all these trappings on the outside, I was really miserable on the inside and I really, you know, had been listening to the voices in my head, those thoughts that, you know, pass in and out like clouds, but I was believing them. So that's what sort of opened the door for me. And after the marriage, because we, we did get divorced, uh, I just didn't want to repeat that experience again. And you can't change someone else, but I thought, well, what can I do within myself? So all of a sudden, I guess you've got to be careful what you ask for because the universe will provide. And I just found that my whole life started to, it was like somebody changed sets and out with all of these social party people that I'd been surrounded by. Right. Along came all of these um Health and wellness people and uh, self awareness gurus and well, they uh, just, just suddenly appeared in your life. Yeah, pretty much. So pretty that, much. So at, at your lowest point, tell yeah. us about the lowest point. The lowest point. Tell us because mm. <clears throat> what I'd, I'd like to get to, I yeah. guess, is you know for people out there that might be in the same position mm. as you were, mm -hmm. you know, usually. I know for me, after my band days, I hit a very low point because I always believed that I would be a musician forever mm -hmm. and a big star and da-da-da-da-da. And I hit a point at which I realised that wasn't happening, so I had that really low point, which caused a chain reaction of things for me to go on my path. So at your lowest point, tell me about that. Okay, well, there was a couple of low points, but the, I guess the lowest point of the, the depression was um, I'd given birth to my first daughter, Talia, and uh, the elation of the birth was amazing. So even though I'd been feeling this depression while I was pregnant, after the, after the birth and the, you know, just she had a couple of, she had some um, medical things that like um, a cleft soft palate, various things that she had going on that we, you know, just a bit, it wasn't your normal, I guess there's no normal, but mm. straight away after the birth, it was, a, you know, a bit, she couldn't um, suckle. So she had to, had to feed her with like a dropper, mm. you know, which was painstaking. It would take four hours instead of maybe 45 minutes or however long it takes to breastfeed. So about six or seven weeks after that, I just fell into the deepest, darkest place. And it was more of frustration than of um, sadness. I just couldn't snap out of it. You know, I used to be able to, you know, taught me compassion because I was, you know, stand up, sort it out. I was always very much like that. Take action, you'll be fine. And I just couldn't take any action to bring myself out of it. So I won... 
very late, or one early morning, I should say, it was like two o'clock in the morning, I um, wanted to end it. And I went to the bath. I thought, well, what can I do? Because I hadn't pre-thought it. It was just something. I was just so frustrated that I couldn't snap myself out of it. So I went and had a look around the house and thought, well, how can I do this? You know, I, I don't like swallowing tablets at the best of times, so I knew that wasn't going to be a solution. So anyway, so I decided to, to cut a piece of rope off a balcony awning that we had and go into the bathroom and put it around the shower recess, and I would hang myself. And um, so I got the stool, did that, and uh, as I stood there, I put it around my neck and pulled it a little bit tight and went, ow, that hurts. That hurts yeah. <laughs> I was like, Not no, 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 thing. clearly I don't, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. So I took it off and went back to bed, put the stool away, and then the next morning I just had this immense shame because I couldn't even do that. Um, that I couldn't go through with it because I was so frustrated, but I couldn't do that. So I realised that, okay, this, you know, I can't, I need some support to get myself out of this. So um, then I told my husband about it and off I went to hospital for three weeks. And it was great because I learned cognitive behaviour and just, you know, starting to learn more about the thoughts because up until that point I had literally believed every thought that came into my into my mind. Um, and so it's great when you have the positive ones, mm. um, but when you had the negative thoughts, then, you know, I just, you know, I'm not enough. I can't do this. I'm helpless, hopeless. Anything like that was just overwhelming. So, yeah, so that was, the, I guess, the, in, the beginning of me really starting to investigate what's real and what's not real. And at the time, there was a competition for um, – uh, there was a story in a magazine called Noteback, Notebook Magazine. I don't even know if it's around anymore. Mm. And you had to write something about a pivotal time in your life. So I decided to write. And uh, it, it was really cathartic because I, I, did, I started to write a short story, but it turned into um, a lot more than a, a short story, story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was great to express it. And, and uh, I hadn't actually picked up a pen and paper since I was about 12 years old when my mother had read my diary and uh, I used to love writing and I literally had stopped writing at that point. So it was great because it got me back into writing again and, uh, and just wanting to share the story that if, if it supported one person, then fantastic. But it was more that it was just cathartic for me to, um, to, you know, to kind of have that space for myself. So that, um, yeah, so that I was still married at that point and uh, the marriage, I mean, had another child. So there were plenty of lovely moments and what have you, but consequently we weren't a good match we really weren't so then we we broke up sometime after that and it was after that that I realized that everything I'd been through I just wanted to live a happy life and you know if I couldn't be content with the things that we had and I was still searching for more like why was I searching for more you know why all these things that you know I look at, look like I have this amazing life but it wasn't it wasn't keeping me happy at all it's uh it reminds me of a seminal uh, seminal piece of work by a guy called Viktor Frankl, have mm -hmm. you read? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, in Search of Meaning. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, deep down that we all have that, that yearning um, to find meaning. It's, it's amazing though how many people can bury it so deep that uh, they don't even look at it for their whole lives. Mm. But you, you had a moment where you suddenly had this awakening that it's there, it's buried deep, but I want to I explore that and I want to find meaning mm -hmm. yeah absolutely it was a long journey i mean how long ago was that uh that fr from that time that you had that aha moment where you wanted to neck yourself sure. and you suddenly realized that things need to change yeah. how long ago was that mm -hmm. to today that's uh let me see 16 years ago 
16 years 16 ago. 16 years ago. And it's still a journey. You know, it's still, I think the more you know about yourself, the more there is to know. Um, yeah, and the, and the co- I mean, you, you sound to me like you didn't give yourself a break, like you pushed yourself all the time. You didn't, you, you, you didn't take a moment to be with yourself and uh, up, up until that point. And, um, and obviously that, that probably goes back to your childhood and how you, your formative years and the environment you grew up, grew up in. Uh, but how, have you, how are you different now? Okay. Well, uh, yes, and you're right. Absolutely, I didn't. But I was also, I'd become this, I was known in my group of friends, let's say, um, as the positive one, always very positive. Now, that's dangerous too, because as much as negativity is, you know, not healthy, well, trying to keep up with this positivity all the time is also, it's an unreal expectation. And and it's still a judgment. So, you know, when we we believe about something being positive, it's because we want to move towards that or we want to repeat an experience that was positive. So you're still coming from a place of agenda of of not being okay in the now. Whereas, so we're, we're galley slaves on opposite ends of the, ex- the aisle. Yeah, so they're, they're both judgment. And, um, and most of us live wow. our lives either trying to run away from something or towards something. Um, instead so of just being. Instead of just it. being, exactly. So I learnt that all of my um, challenges were coming from any of the thought processes. And I'd never really slow down enough, you're right. That's the key to everything is slowing down to really look at... You know why I was doing what I was doing, and all the expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. expectations from your family, your friends, yourself more than anybody. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. that I have to be positive all the time. Yeah, exactly. Which makes it. It sounds like it was very tiring. No wonder your Absolutely. your thought your thought processes were were in hyperdrive, and and you couldn't get a break. There was mm-hmm. no circuit breaker. That's right, exactly. So you thought about taking your own life in order to create that circuit breaker. Thank goodness you didn't go that far. <laughs> thank goodness. Yes, thank goodness, exactly. But you've obviously found a method for creating a circuit breaker. Mm-hmm. So well, when did that start? Well, well, yeah, when did it start and what yeah. is it? Yeah. What's your so it's, technique? It started when basically at the end of my marriage. So that was, like I said, I just didn't want to repeat that experience again because I'd never known anything like it. You know, I'd never had any challenges like that up until that, that time in my life in any, in any of my relationships. And it was like they all came along in one fell swoop. So at the time, I had a um, a guy came into my life called Amirzogi, who does these um, human potential um, inspirational talks, and uh, and I went along and loved it. And then I sort of looked at my bookshelf when I got home and went, oh gosh, I've got a lot of this kind of topic. I'm, you know, I obviously like this a lot. So just over the years, I've done um, quite a bit of work with various people, and it all comes back down to being relaxed in your body, uh, doing what you love, whatever that is, and then uh, and, and giving yourself space in your life. So, like, if I, I notice when I fill my space up with activities, now it might be things that I like doing, um, but if there's too much of them and I don't have any space just for me just to do nothing or just to... Um, Really be really relaxed. Like if you've got all, if you've got various, say, say you've got yoga, um, tennis, whatever the things are that you're doing, and you've they're taking up all your time, but there's, you're rushing to them, or you're you know you have no space in between. Well, then that's defeating the purpose. Yeah, it's, quick, hurry! I've got to relax. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you know so, what I mean? That happens sounds, all the time. It sounds quite familiar. You know actually, what it's yeah. like yeah. when you you go like I know with the kids. I, I say let's go to the beach. 
and I'll find myself saying, come on, what are you guys doing? Hurry up, we've got to get to the beach to relax. And they hold on. Mm, that's not quite working. Exactly. So, so, uh, so the biggest thing is really to have peace of mind. You know, so like, especially that I've, I've had all these trappings in my life. So I know that, I mean, they're, they're great. I'm not poo-powering them at all by any means, but they're no good if you don't have peace of mind and serenity in the first place. You can't enjoy anything in your life unless you have that. So that's become my, my biggest um, modus operandi, I suppose, is just to make sure that whatever I'm doing, so whether I get up in the morning and I create space to write or I create space to meditate. So, um, you know, I might meditate for any, anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes in the morning and, or, uh, and also um, space to exercise. So even if it's just a 20-minute walk or an hour at the gym or whatever it is, mm. just if I, if I don't start the day without that, I find that I'm just not as – I feel like I'm responding to life. So I find that's, the, that's been the, the most beneficial to me is to be able to do things that I like from the moment I wake up. Um, because if I'm just going off to do work or whatever it is that people are doing, then you already feel like you're kind of just responding to life rather than creating it. Mm. So you've switched off when you've gone to sleep and you just switch the switch back on if you just get back to where you started the night before instead of having time to be grateful or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, I, I think you've nailed it, really. You're a living example of how... Um, the trappings that we surround ourselves with can exacerbate our our inner condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're if you're not kind to yourself and have time for yourself, you're really not going to enjoy all the wonderful trappings in life that a lot of people yearn for. They think happiness is in accumulating wealth, in surrounding themselves with a, you know beautiful things, mm-hmm. but really. You're an example of how that's all empty and meaningless if you don't have some meaning in your life. Exactly. And uh, and so so you went along to this mindfulness course, mm-hmm. or, or was it was a self help presentation? So, well, several of them. I wouldn't say self help. Now, the the funny it thing wasn't. about the word self help is we're all perfect as we are. There's nothing to actually fix, change, or improve. And that's why I would say not the words help. I like, and I mean, obviously it's a big industry, but I wouldn't call it help because there's nothing wrong with anybody. Correct. Nothing at all. And so it's just about recognising the thoughts that don't belong to us. Yeah. So, yes, I went along to, to the seminar and then I, I ended up joining into um, a membership, a workshop, and I've done that pretty much ever since, really, since that was 2011 by that stage. Um, and uh, and so then I trained as I just loved it so much. So I, I approached the guy that I was that I was doing the course with. I went along to the, to do the course just for myself, just because I wanted to have a um, more fulfilled life, really, and contentment. And um, I said, "Look, I love what you're doing. I love what you're sharing with people because you would see people coming in and just going, oh, taking off all this baggage of all the things that li- expectations they were living up to and whatever else." And I uh, said, "I want to work with you." So then he ended up forming a, a bunch of us. I think there was about five coaches. And then we, we took these various seminars across Australia and across the world. Wow. And, uh, and I got to speak as well, which was great, and share my story. And, uh, yeah, just in, it's inspiring because you, you're constantly around people that 
want to be, want to live an inspired life as well. So, and you, you meet a lot of, I met a lot of create, creative people as well because people that were making that jump to realizing that out there is not actually real. The external life is already it's already manifested, but what's in here is everything comes from, and you guys would know that. So, from you're creating a business and from being in the band and singing, all self-expression comes from inside, and that's become more meaningful to me is to have that than to have whatever's, you know, whatever's on the outside is great, but as long as it's come through me in the first place. I want to explore the, uh, the, the subject of the inner voices, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. That, that are not you, as yep. you say. Sure. I mean, I've, you know, it's only been in recent years that I've um, recognised it as uh, maybe a, an ugly stepchild that I have to embrace. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, she, she or he is with me forever. And I just have to every time they come out of the closet and say, you know, you're not good enough. You're, you, you know, you're terrible at this. You, you know, you're not going to make it. I have to embrace it and just say, yeah, they're there. That's okay. I've heard you, but now go back in the box. You know, uh, it took a lot of pain and anguish to get there. It, it was a, quite a journey. Um, and and for our listeners, they they. Many of them would be suffering from the same same voices. Yeah, how did you deal with that? Mm-hmm. And that's and you you spot on said exactly the right words, George. And that is embrace, because what you're talking about is ego, and ego is not who we are. So infinite energy is who we are, all of us. And we're, I mean, I don't know what your beliefs are, but I truly believe that there's only one energy, which is love, and that it's it's the space between all things that we're all a part of. So there's no separation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and But the biggest uh, villain of all, let's call it, is the ego, which are all the thoughts. And I liken the thoughts to um, like a cloud scenario with your computer. So, you know, anything you can download... And we think because we hear the thoughts in our head that in our voice that it must be me, but they're not, and they're not real. And you usually only have, you know, like a certain, I, don't, I won't say how many of them, I'm sure there's a <laughs> scientific, you know, number. In George's case, it's about 400 <laughs> at last count. <laughs> I think they run in the thousands. That's yeah. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, so but I can download whichever ones I want. But consequently, any thoughts are really irrelevant. And the more mm. that I can practice, and it is a practice, yeah. being in the moment, yeah. which means, to answer your question, that if I am being present throughout my day, not just when I do a meditation in the morning, but continually bringing myself back into the now. So if I have a thought, the thoughts are going to be there, but just don't be entertained by the thoughts. So it doesn't mean I have to get rid of them or, oh, my God, I'm a loser because I can't, you know, they keep coming. They're going to constantly come. It's just about being mindful, connecting with your breath or just feeling into your body. What I practice for me is while I'm going through my day is to actually feel the energy within my body and the sensations that are even in my feet because it's the furthest away from my head is to really focus until I can feel them. So not think about them, to actually feel the sensations. And if you sit and concentrate, focus your energy, you'll actually find you can feel that it's like electricity running through your body. And doing that so that I'm mindful and present. It doesn't necessarily mean that my circumstances will change. It just means that I will feel more relaxed, more peace of mind, and usually come from a more powerful place so that I'm not responding or reacting it takes somebody who pushes your buttons in a big way. Maybe it's a family member, you know, mother-in-law, you know, brother, sister, your spouse, wh- whoever, children, um, that if you're present, you're going to be less likely to respond from ego. 
because our ego is continually at us trying to protect us um, or, or you know, you might have, uh, it depends. It's, I mean, there's so many disguises of the ego and, and they're going to just con- continually try to unravel to keep you in the same place. But you've worked, you've worked with a lot of people over the years um, uh, addressing uh, the ego mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, ha- have you found that there, there are certain common stories being told, being fed to them by the ego? Like, I mean, there wouldn't be that many, right? There wouldn't, I mean, you, you've probably, like one of the big things that I know um, I suffer from is you're just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the common ones that you've you've um, you've heard others explain? Yeah, and that is exactly yeah, yeah. You are not good enough is is probably the biggest one for, that all of us have at some point in time. Um, uh, anything to do with um, rejection, um, and sometimes it can go the other way of someone who's let's just say. I mean, I, I occasionally had self-doubt, so that's where I had to watch my ego would want to pull me down. You can't do this, you're not enough, blah, 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 like you're saying. But then there's the other side of the spectrum where people get too cocky mm-hmm. and they side. get really... Um, it's both sides of that spectrum, yeah, isn't it? While they're doing really well, then they, huh, they have this false sense of, I'm fantastic, I'm powerful, and that is just as detrimental because neither one will allow you to be well, in your power. Well, that's almost narcissistic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or you get to that point. Okay, we could talk about this for, for hours. For hours. Let's fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where are you now? Since we're talking about the yeah, now. yeah, you've gone, you know, so you've been through this period of, um, you know, you, the marriage breakdown. You're on the search and the journey, and now you've got to here. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the here and now. The here and now, my favourite topic. So where I am now is creating my life and after spending so many years responding to life and reacting to life, which I'm sure you both understand, it's not, you know, it's pretty common. Uh, And even even things like reacting to, oh, I don't have enough money, things like that, you know, where perhaps, you know, in the past I might have done jobs to purely pay the bills, you know, and playing that that sort of uh, scarcity story over and over. Uh, Now it's a place of, okay, I'm going to focus on what I want and only what I want. And the more that I focus on what I want, then the bills get paid. It's, it's you know, if I take my, it's like a child, if the child is heading to um, a PowerPoint and about to put their fingers in the PowerPoint, you, you don't go, oh, the PowerPoint, you know, you, you go, oh, hello, you, you dangle something over here and the child crawls the other way. Well, it's the same thing with, you know, with, with where I'm at right now as far as I've seen all the things that I've given my attention to and they didn't serve me because it just created more of what I was focusing on. So now I'm focusing on um, spending time with my... I mean, I've always spent time with my kids, but having really quality time with them, um, having a loving household, waking up, uh, you know, whether it's my exercise, writing, eating clean. I love to cook, so I love to, you know, really find out more about foods that nourish me as well. It's been another big part of my story as as having sugar addictions in the past and then not feeling good because of you know, wanting to fill the space with, with sugar, etc. So eating well and uh, writing. I'm writing a book at the moment, which is all about awakening and it's all about exactly this topic. Do you have a working title? No, I don't actually. I, I purposely haven't given it a title because years ago when I used to write, you know, been writing bits and pieces on and off, I used to always get fixated on, oh, a title, a title or what's yeah. it going to be about or what's it, you know, I've got to, I've got to, what am I going to share with the world? And it was egotistically driven 
You know, it was like, oh, I have to, what's it, what's, what are people going to see me like? So this is actually, I've done the opposite. It's more just about, at the moment, I'm really enjoying the space that I create to sit down and do it. And that's what's the most important part. Um, I do have a publishing deal, so it will be published. However, it's not even about the end result of that. I mean, that's great, but it's more about that this is how I connect, have that connection with myself. So tell us about the book that you have written Mm -hmm. or co-authored, which was called... It's A Journey of Riches, The Gift of Challenge. uh, The Gift of Challenge is the one that I wrote a chapter in. And uh, and I came together. I used to... The guy who actually put the initiative together, I used to coach him years ago. And he went from being a landscape gardener and having all this um, self-doubt into... And I don't take the credit for that, obviously. It's his own journey. He's done remarkably well to creating this complete um, initiative is probably the best way to describe it, of bringing in different co-authors to share parts of their journey and how they've overcome challenges, but not only overcoming the challenges, now what they're creating. So they've turned it around from this place of reaction and just surviving and struggling and getting through life to then going, okay, how do I manifest what I love and create what I love? Does that, uh, has he got a website or something you can give us? He does. It's a journeyofriches.com. Is it .au or .com? I'm not sure. Okay, folks, you know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Just try it with both. I I always do that. You know, it's like, I'll I'll try the .com first. I think Google will, will... We'll uh, answer the question. Mr. Google. (laughs) Now, how many voices do you think Mr. Google's got? Multiple billions, I take it. I think Google has mapped out humanity, wouldn't you say? God, let's not go there. So so I I think you might have already answered this question, but I'll ask it because it is the title of our our podcast, What Flates. What floats, floats Jane's boat? boat. What you floats? got that right. God, the I second time. over that. Didn't yeah, I? you did. What floats what? your boat, Jane? What floats my boat? So what, my children float my boat. They are the most important thing to me in my life. Absolutely love spending time with them and, and having conscious conversations. So, you know, whenever we have a moment of something coming up to actually, that's a challenge, using what I know to share with them so that, you know, we're not responding just the same old way of... That, uh, that you might respond, that it's possible to respond. Yep. Um, I love, I've started this new thing called uh, physical culture. Fizzy. I saw that. <laughs> I, 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 they called it fizzy back in the old days, didn't they? <laughs> that, was, that, that was PE at school. No, 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 no this no, is fizzy, different. This no, is different. Fizzy, as they used to call it back in my day, went way back. Fizzy was, it's like a. <laughs> Synchronised, like synchronised 80s aerobics exercise, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's like it's very daggy. Like Richard Simmons, do you remember him? No way. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah they made a comeback. And you yeah, wear, like, totally. And you wear leotards yeah. on a whole bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah. I know somebody that that does that. That's been doing that for years. Was Jane name, Fonda into that as well? Ford. <laughs> she, she's big. In, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Was Jane Fonda into she, that? Oh, that was sort of more when the aerobic thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess a fizzy was just before the aerobic boom. It's been around for a long time, it's a but it's making a resurgence, yeah. Is it really? Yeah. My so brain doesn't know what's going on actually, when I do it. Actually, why don't you give us a, give oh, us, give us a rendition? Oh, well, I'd need a few other people to do it. It's, yeah. not, oh, it's, it's all, not, you know, it's like a coordinated thing. It's like synchronised swimming without the pool. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's a Get bit of dance, yeah. a bit of yoga, a bit of it's all Yeah. Sorts of things. What was that? <laughs> right. That was just. I'm glad no one can that see that one. <laughs> that harks back to the past. <laughs> Sorry. So yes. Yeah, so, okay. So so physical culture. Physical culture. Oh, 
not fizzy. Okay. Uh, what yeah, else? Fizzy. Uh, I love my writing, obviously. Yep. Uh, I suppose overall, I just whatever's going to bring me peace of mind. <laughs> you know, anything that's going to keep me in the moment. Um, you know, love going to the beach. Love love walks. I've, I've done a few hikes here and there, and some trekking. Um, which is always challenging for the mind. Again, <laughs> yeah, um, you learn yourself, learn George about yourself. Trekker. Are I'm you? A, I'm a trekker. Yeah. I love trekking. Fantastic. It's always a, cha- a challenge. Mm. And so, if there was one thing, one piece of ginormous wisdom that you could pass on to our listeners, what would it be? That you are not your thoughts; you are energy. Okay. And you can use it to your advantage? Yes, just to remind yourself, because it's the thinking. There's, it's not that you don't have enough money. It's not that you can't, you can't do something or you don't have something. I mean, obviously, appreciation goes a long way, mm-hmm. having appreciation and gratitude for where you are and what you have. But ultimately, the only thing that stops relationships, creates health problems, you, you know, career, anything at all, is your, is your thinking. There is nothing else but your thinking, and it's never ever anyone else's fault, or that there's a you manifest. You're manifesting everything in your life as we speak. So uh, just being aware of being in the moment, and uh, having a practice to support you to be in the moment, and just to remind yourself that you're not your thinking. So going back to something that you said before, just quickly because we'll we'll move on to what's next for Chai. Um, you said I don't worry about the bills, etc. anymore. What, so how do they get paid? Oh, they, okay. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that uh, if I focus on what I love, yeah, then that's where my focus is, and so my attention goes to more and more of what I love. Of course, they still need to be paid, mm. but then that my story will support me to manifest that they're taken care of. Yep. Whereas if I focus all like stress, you know, like of all my thinkings, oh my gosh, I'm not going. How am I going to get this paid? Then it can lead to agenda because perhaps. You know, like I've done myself. I've had jobs in the past where I've literally done it to pay the bills, you know. And that's, you don't feel good. It doesn't make you feel good. Um, you feel like you're just a little rat in a treadmill, all that kind of thing. So. I just thought that, that, so, that, that explaining that to the, to the listeners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it, was sure. I mean, we, we want our listeners to take away some key learnings. I mean, mm. uh, you, you, were, you expressed that very well. That's a trap that most people find themselves in, and they genuinely believe that they're trapped and they can't break out of it. Mm-hmm. I know close friends and family that, that have that mindset. They are trapped. They, they're victims in, in their life. Mm-hmm. How can they... What's the... What, I mean, how do they break out of that? Mm. I think the first thing to do is to slow down. We're all going somewhere so fast... I remember when I met Amir, the guy that I spoke of earlier, and he said to me, you know, I think my energy used to be, you know, so uh, erratic. And he said, where are you going? Where are you trying to get to? And we're, we're usually trying to get somewhere, like I said before, about either getting away from somewhere or trying to get somewhere. Oh, that'll, I'll be great when I get over there, you know. Mm. Um, rather than being here, there's nowhere to get to. Yeah, so I'll be relaxed when I the, get to the beach. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the biggest thing is to have space. And to slow down, first of all, and then to create space. So if you have things taking up your space, now they can be toxic relationships, they can be um, unfinished business, so say you haven't done your tax or, you know, you've you've got forms to hand in for your kids at school or whatever the case may be, you know, you want to declutter something, whatever something is taking up your space, that is taking up your creative space or creative potential, let's say, for, for, for new ideas to come through. 
and or, or to, to be able to feel intuitively what you would love. So mm. um, we go about quite often doing something we think we want, only to find out that when we get there, I mean, people have their whole careers and become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, not realising that it's been driven from perhaps a parent, something like that. So when you slow down enough and then actually allow, so declutter whatever is taking up your space, whether yeah. it's up here in your mind or whether it's actually in your environment, um, by doing that, then you create a possibility for you to go, oh, hang on, I've had an idea. Um, nature doesn't abhor a vacuum. Is that how it goes? Mm. Nature abhors a vacuum. So something will come through well, once you have the space. Well, what, what, what would you say to the, the cynics out there who who will say, well, Jane came from a, from a wealthy background and she had the spa- time and space and the money. I'm poor. I have to meet the bills. My family needs to be fed. Um, you know, I'm on this treadmill... How do I, How can I get off this treadmill? Because mm-hmm. it's it's not that easy. They're going to say, "Well, Jane, it's all well and good to, for you to say these things, but mm. you don't know my circumstances. I'm heavily in debt. I've got to. I've got to bring home the bacon, mm-hmm. and I hate it." Mm-hmm. Yep. What, bacon? Well, <laughs> everyone loves bacon. <laughs> well, not everyone. Not everyone. <laughs> not everyone. Most people love so, bacon. Sorry, I just like. But you know, they don't like. It, but they they just feel like. Uh, a classic example in, in my family is my brother-in-law. He doesn't take the time to... It doesn't, he doesn't allow himself the time to think about what he's doing, but he works day and night, runs around, manically runs around, and, and I don't think he's manifesting the kind of results that he wants. Mm. Yeah. And he's always dreaming of a better day, but... No, it's hard for it's hard for him to see what you've just described. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard for all of us, and I, I feel for him. But I, I, the biggest thing is to slow down, uh, to absolutely slow down, and to trust what you're feeling. If you have an idea about to something, trust that it will work to out. Trust. I mean, I didn't actually come from a my marriage. Yes, there was a lot of money in my marriage, but yeah. I walked out of the marriage and walked away. So I didn't, you know, we, we didn't divide all the assets or anything like that. I actually just walked away. So I, I remember saying to myself when I was leaving the marriage, what, are the bluebirds going to come out to meet me, you know, flitter on my shoulder? <laughs> uh, and I truly had to go, well, this feeling is not good. And I, I don't, I, this doesn't serve me to feel like this, you know, anxious and stressed. And so yeah. I, in, in my case, it was more of, I, I can't feel like this anymore. I'll be dead. Um, I really need to. To, this is not the way I'm sure I'm supposed to feel. Life is this, there has to be more to life. Was the question I kept saying to myself, and so it was that feeling of just trusting that, and trusting the unknown. Because, like, I mean, you have a business and you don't know. There is no plan. There is no, you know, nothing. Even if you do have a plan, it doesn't. They don't always go the way you think that they will. In fact, usually the other way. You know, life kind of goes like meanders so yeah just to trust and then just to keep taking the next step I think we try too quickly and too readily to work out all of life and to, you know to think you have to know it all and and I don't think there's any business on the planet that or anyone who's successful that has had it all worked out it's just all I need to know is the next step and follow that yeah yeah look at um, I, I have a uh, when, I, when I was younger I, I, uh, I did orienteering and um, one of the key learnings, the biggest learnings that I still carry today is, is it, my instructor told me to trust the needle, trust the compass. Mm. 
your senses lie to you. <laughs> so you know, we we um, you know uh, we had objectives to meet, and some of them were the top of hills, and the classic mistake that novices make is they see a hill and they think that's the one I have to go to, and they get there and find out that the needle was pointing in the opposite direction to a place they couldn't see the hill. Mm. And they got to the wrong destination, and it was a ma major, major cock-up, excuse the language, but, but trust the compass, and we all have one. That is a perfect example, and again, because the outside, it's so easy to look at the external or to see, you know, like, oh, this looks like it's going well or this looks like it's not going well yeah. and, and putting all our attention on the outside mm. rather than trusting the internal Trust needle. It's yeah. like put your heart in your throat yeah. and, and jump anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's courage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you so you help people with that. You've helped lots of people with uh, trying to find the courage to make the decision and make the moves that they need to make exactly it's and it's it's about reminding them that they are infinite and that they are much bigger than their circumstances much bigger than their stories and uh and much bigger than their thoughts it's again i bring it back to the thoughts the thoughts are the the villain so to speak mm. because we we give them power and we believe them but none of them are true they're like little clouds floating by so what's next for you joe What's next for me? I don't this actually year. know what's next, next for me other than what I'm doing right now, which is the writing and the coaching and being with my family. So I really practice living in the here and now so that I'm not uh, planning too far ahead. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess that's living well, that what goes, you're talking about. That goes against what all the self-development <laughs> self gurus yeah. uh, say. They say you yeah. must have a grand vision. Yeah of where you see yourself, uh, how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you obviously have that. Mm -hmm. You do have a vision of how you see yourself. But, but goals and objectives into the, well into the future, you don't have those? Uh, no, not, no, I don't. I, like, I'm really content where I am right now. And I really feel that the, my biggest, if you want to talk about a goal, uh, I like to call it an intention, is peace of mind. And me creating, the more I create more, more and more space in my life to do what I love, yeah. whatever that is at the time, so it can change, and then I can manifest what I love. Whereas if I fill my space up, or if I fill it up with, oh, gosh, I want to do this, this, and this, and this, um, it, can, it, starts, it, can, it can have the re reverse effect. So I just allow what I already, what it, what's already in there and, um, and express it as it comes. So, so um, I'm not... I keep on feel like I'm trying to end this, but I'm not. Um, it, it feels to me like you're trying to end this. I'm, I'm quite enjoying this uh, this this interview. Yeah, well, if we let you have your way, we'd have a 17-hour podcast <laughs> where people have given up 14 hours ago. Well, we have a professional editor who could cut it up into that, parts. That's true, but and guess it. Guess who has to listen to it and cut the parts out of it? Are you bored, so, Brett? No, no, I'm not. No, no, not you at don't all. do anything no. anyway. Do you do, do, what do you do during I the week? I have to listen to it. What? During the week? You don't have anything to do during the week. That's because I've manifested that. Choice. That's right, you have. You've manifested quite a, quite a good life. See, I, my past has a, lot, has, a, has a path similar to yours, but I'm in a different you know, place now, so it's similar, but it's similar. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, one of the one of the key points of where we are today is that I mean, sorry, I should backtrack a little bit. We are the result of 
everything that we've gone through, mm -hmm. who we are today, mm -hmm. right? You wouldn't have, you wouldn't be here talking to us if you had not gone through the things that you described. Absolutely. Um, mm. And what a wonderful journey in mm. hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, you, you may have thought differently, but what a wonderful journey to get mm. to this place that you're at today. Mm. And this is a place that you'd like to stay, stay in. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't want to shift to the left or to the right of the. Spectrum? No. No. You don't want to go back there? No. Def well, look, you know, it served its purpose, but, um, you know, if I look back to my 20s, as much as I thought that I was, you know, loving life and friendly and optimistic and all that kind of stuff, I was, I was you know, quite surface, really, in a lot of yeah. ways. But I didn't know that at the time. Mm. You know, obviously, as you get older, you more different things become more important yeah, to you. Wisdom, the wisdom of age. Yes, yes. You get over being friendly and optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, Jane, how can, how can our listeners, if they wanted to be coached by you, mm -hmm. which is part of one of the many things you do, how, how, do, how do they find you? Okay. Well, I have a new website, which is in, it's just being made up at the moment, called boundlessliving.com.au. Okay. Um, so they can go there and have a look. Or they can, um, or you can come to our website, or, mm -hmm. um, which is floatyourboat.com, which we'll talk more about in our little adverts, etc. And your podcast will be on that. Yeah, all the information will be there. And we'll, we'll figure out a way to link. Yep. Or, no, we won't. We'll get... We'll get someone we'll who get knows what they're doing to, to, to do that for us, so we, can go, yeah. so we can go down to the beach. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to finish off, thanks, Joan. I appreciate you coming in. Pleasure. We have got had a long, lengthy past, Jane and I, and and I appreciate that you've taken the time to come into our little studio. What? Why did you pick? Why did you pick this song? Or oh, tell us the song yeah. and tell us why you picked this sure. song. Sure. I picked As uh, by George Michael. And uh, it's really hard to pick a song because, gosh, songs are, I think they go with your mood, don't they? So mm. there's so many that I could have picked. But I think this one ultimately makes me feel really good. Yeah. It inspires me. And it it's all about unconditional love. And love, I mean, love is the greatest force of all. And uh I love you to the end of what it's all about loving you to the end of time. So, but I see that as being the love that we all are. Is that the version with Mary, Mary J? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just so we can find it. So <laughs> when I'm cutting, when we've when we're editing, why don't you try singing uh, the opening lines? No, oh. that's, that's hard. No, that's really? okay. First of all, people on. You, you did this last time. You with, sing it. We had, we did an interview with um, with the lovely Sally Cameron from the Idea of North, and he sing. tried to get her to sing. I don't think you understand. Why, George. Why, you don't just pop it out. These people are all professional singers. At yeah. once, at at some stage in your life, you were a professional singer. Yeah. Why yes. is it they don't well, want to sing? I don't know that George Michael <laughs> Adele even had a few flat notes when she sang "Fast Love" of his the other day, and yeah. then Chris because we're doing a Chris Martin from Coldplay yeah. then did a, a tribute to him and that didn't sound that great really? so I'm definitely not but going to I don't to. think it sounds great at any <laughs> the best of time so I shouldn't say sorry that. Chris Martin sorry Chris Martin we really love you <laughs> love Coldplay <laughs> not <laughs> okay Jane, thank you. Thank you, Brett. Jane, thank you very much. It was illuminating. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, and, George. And, we'll, and maybe you'll come back in sometime in the future once you've got your new website and book. Yeah. And we can help you promote it because part of what yeah. we're doing is trying to have people like you 
get your message out to the world. Yeah, I've got to say, I've got to say to to our listeners out there that you're worth checking out because you've you've made me feel so much better just in the space of this interview. I feel enlivened, uh, and, and and it's and it's great, a fantastic conversation, fantastic life story, and, um, and yeah, consider- we might get you back. And considering yeah. you the, <clears throat> the flu. Yeah, I was crying for my man mother flu. yesterday, and now I'm alive again. He's got the man flu. <laughs> got man flu. Without a doubt, George, the dreaded George, man flu. The man flu. I mean, how far can I string it out? Do you think it's not working with your wife? No, not at all. Does it ever? <laughs> On that note, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All the best.
It's that time again where we talk about our sponsors. This is about the 400th take, listeners. <laughs> this is our, uh, this is our um, for a male sponsor, Mungrel Joes. Yes, Mungrel Joes. So, hey, Brett, what keeps you going? I'm not sure what you're implying. I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, you must be talking about Mungrel Joe's. Yeah, our proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. It brings out the mongrel in you. God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mungrel Joe's. That's my line. No, That's your line. Mungrel Joe's is the best taste experience ever it's 100 percent australian and not only is it a performance coffee it's strong and smooth like me of course george <laughs> it's the greatest coffee on earth the world's greatest coffee is it earth. really <laughs> <laughs> yes it is jump online at mungrelejoes.com.au and give it a shot excuse the pun no 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 you didn't have to say that well it's you printed it on the page you're george. on you're on fire brent I am on. We fire. could have scratched that out. And just for our listeners to put put it put in a discount code, float your boat, and you will get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat. One word. If you love coffee, you should try Mungrel Joe's. I'm telling you, folks. Aside from this great script that George wrote, <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> listeners, Mungrel Joe's, it's, it's the best. 